I talk shit and read and we're going to have another book chat. This time around, we're doing Book to Screen on Little Fires Everywhere, the new Hulu's original airing on Wednesday night. Joining me today is Joy, and this was her suggestion. So Joy, why did you rope me into this crazy ass drama? One, it's based on a book. It is. And you read books (laughs) and you talk shit. That's the premise of the show. I walked into that. It's pretty much the basis of my answer. No, I wrote you into this because I think it it has a blend of drama, overacting from two great actresses, and uh, microaggressions that I think we would both enjoy and get a kick Ooh. out of. Ooh, yes. I mean, I I think... I posted on Facebook that I was starting little fires everywhere. And someone's like, just, I would like all your commentary into my DMS, please. Thank you. It's so many, like, there's so many thoughts. I was talking about this with some, I was just like, yo, I have so many thoughts about the show. And here's what I will say. Uh, um, maybe structural, structural or technical storytelling aside and whether what side of the eye you fall on that. They know they got some good drama here. And candidly, I think it is a good, I would add this to the, uh, uh, to the pandemic watch list of something to take your mind off of something and you to get engrossed and immersed in. I would absolutely put Little Fires Everywhere on that list. Oh, Little Fires Everywhere most assuredly should be on your list. And you should be happy about the fact that it's episodically dropping because there are only eight episodes that they're planning to give us. I don't know if that means we're going to get more than one season or if they truly believe that they can resolve this story in eight parts the first three episodes aired on march 18th and they were called the spark seeds and all and 70 cents the basic premise of the show is little fires everywhere it follows the intertwined fates of a picture-perfect richardson family and the enigmatic mother and daughter who upend their lives i find that to be a little rude as a description the story explores the weight of secrets, the nature of art and identity, and the ferocious pull of motherhood, and the danger of believing that following the rules can avert disaster. Now, that's the official Hulu press synopsis of the show. The cast includes Reese Witherspoon playing Elena Richardson, Carrie Washington playing Mia Warren, Joshua Jackson, otherwise known as Pacey Till He Dies, playing Bill Richardson, Rosemarie DeWitt playing Linda McCullough, Jay Pettyjohn playing Lexi Richardson, Jordan Alas playing Trip, Gavin Lewis playing Moody, Megan Scott playing Izzy Richardson, Lexi Underwood playing Paul Warren, and Hao Lu playing Bebe. Or is it BB? I don't know. BB, I think. Okay, we'll go with BB. That feels better. Um, the series is produced by Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine, which no one should be surprised about. This woman snatches up these books with the quickness because she has an eye for what will work for her. Produced in conjunction with Carrie Washington Simpson Street. I I think that's amazing. Yay. We love we love producers. We love women producers. Yay. I I would love to I have a a couple of notes uh, and we can maybe talk about it now or later in terms of Reese and her eye for production because oh, let's do it now, darling. We are here. Uh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of these funniest things where I talk I jokingly said the overacting, but yeah, I think there's a lot of overacting on the show, but like not in a bad way. That is not a negative statement for me. I think it it they are leaning into the drama of this world, the situation, the 90s, pick, take your pick. It's there, you know what I mean? But I'm going to be honest. I, I, I am a fan of Reese Witherspoon. I am a fan of early career Reese Witherspoon acting choices and later career Reese Witherspoon producing choices. 
but I will be candid in saying that I am not necessarily the biggest fan of some of Reese Witherspoon's acting choices later on in her career. And what I'm talking about is the last couple of projects that she's done, in particular, Big Little Lies season two and uh, The Morning Show. I thought, you know, Big Little Lies season one is flawless. That is a flaw-free fucking show. I will I will bare knuckle fight your mama for it. I love that season. That is a fantastic season one because it has everything that I love. Rich white women drama, a killer fucking soundtrack, and mess. All of my favorite things. So okay. Much mess. So much glory. So much mess. mess. So much glory. All of my favorite things roped into one show. I'm in, right? Like I'm here in present. Season two takes something perfect and sullies it. <laughs> Okay, it's, I mean, let's be real. That's what happens when you intend to do a one and done and then you decide to reverse yourself to try to capitalize on the success of a show. And let's and, and I'll be candid. I have yet to see someone critic or normal watcher praise season two of Big Little Lies. I think across the board, I think we were all disappointed because season one was so fantastic. I'll say the same thing for the morning show. And funny enough, I think, again, these were two production choices towards the end of, of Reese's career that I was just like, you're slipping a little bit, sis. Big Little Lies season two was under her production company, plus other production companies. Same thing with The Morning Show. And I was not a fan of The Morning Show. I thought for the star power they had, it was a, sl- it was a slow lag in the beginning, a slow lag in the, in the middle, and it did not have the right payoff at the end. The saving grace on that show is is uh, Gugu and Bathura, who needs, you know, let's take a moment to just say, Gugu needs to be in more roles. Gugu needs to be in more leading roles. Y'all are seriously underutilizing Gugu and Bathura. Sis can act with her eyes closed. With okay, her eyes that is going to be a refrain that we can say over and over and over again for the rest of our lives, that Gugu needs to be in more things. They need to be of a tier and quality to where she starts getting all her flowers and accolades. Man, girl can act, and she is the saving grace of that show. But man, Reese wasn't delivering it for me. Jennifer definitely was not delivering it for me. Steve, sure. I love Billy Crew up, and he was actually one of my favorite characters too. But like, The Morning Show was a disappointment for it being the leading series out the gate for Apple TV Plus. And that is it. And it's hurt them. And well, mind you, they did get nominated for Emmys, but. I strongly disagree with that statement and answer. And the fact that uh, at Jennifer uh, Aniston won a Golden Globe for this shit. Why? <laughs> That's neither. I'm sorry. I just, I have feelings <laughs> okay. about the morning show because I just think there's just underutilized opportunities here but again that's another ding to the production part and the acting part for Reese well I personally think after Big Little Lies season one was a big deal and some of her indie movies were a big deal I think she was feeling herself a little bit and I think she took her hand off the steering wheel wheel in a way that always comes back to bite you in the ass yes luckily though because I my fear was that little fly the the point I'm getting at because I'm rambling a bit sorry the my fear was that this was going to be a hat trick for her and that it was going to be the third thing that she had her hands on production-wise, lead actor-wise, all these other pieces, and it just does not deliver on the promise of the actors. But God, I think it does, man. I oh, think yeah. she is back yeah. in her mojo. I think this is much better than the last two properties she had her hands on. I think this is Reese fully leaning into what she is good at, which is self-titled, highly racist, but knows how to cover it, white women. And she does it well. 
she there does is something so well. about her messy white woman that is just it is head and shoulders above it's kind of like how sam rockwell is real good playing that old country timing racist ass man and I was like, he's a brilliant actor. I've always thought he was a brilliant actor. I've always felt like to a certain extent that he leans into the quirky of his personality in ways that have kept him out of roles that would have had him on people's radar and in, in conversations far sooner in his career. I'm not happy at the way that he's getting typecast as that racist white dude. It's kind of like the same guy for Walton Goggins to a certain extent. I mean, and, and Ron Gaul, man, Walter Gaul, well, anyway, we're getting all so up. The point is that, <laughs> I mean, uh, look, like, let's be candid. Uh, the character that, is there, what is her name uh, on, on uh, Little Fires Love Everywhere? I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on names Elena right now. Richardson? I know Elena Richardson is, now Elena Richardson is just a 90s, a little bit more refined version of Madeline, right, from Big Little Lies. But you know what? I'm not upset with you leaning into what you're good at. And I think Reese just leans into she's she knows this person acutely. She knows this character acutely. She's she done permutation. She grew up this with this person. She knows that she has the grit of this character acutely. And she's done it in different variations throughout her career since she's a teenager. So I think she is leaning into what she knows. Fantastic job. She and the the chemistry that she has with Carrie Washington's Mia Warren. Ooh. Okay, somebody earlier today made the comment, we should have a drinking game for this movie, and I was like, we'd all die. He's like, every time Mia gives, you know, side-eye to, to, to something that somebody in the Richardson family says, take a drink. The way like, that she stares die. at... The way that she <laughs> stares at this white family... <laughs> Don't answer them. <laughs> okay, look. No. Look, and I will also say, Carrie is another one of those people where I didn't put it two and two together till I saw them on screen, but I would say Carrie has a similar-esque trajectory that Reese had, where she has been around for a while, she has done her due diligence, there was a point where she was kept getting typecast, there was a point where some of her acting choices, some of her career choices weren't the best, but by God. Is she leaning into what she knows in this performance? Okay, let's be real. She is one of those people that when you look at them, you are not too sure what's going on behind their eyes. Um, It's a very beautiful thing to look at, but you're not too sure that if you turn your back on them, they won't stab you. I mean, oh, and, and there's just, okay, so I'm not going to lie. I was about halfway through episode two when I realized I've read Little Fires Everywhere. And. I was like, I need to find this book again. They are not sticking to the script. I'm not going to spoil, but I will say that some of the changes that they are making are refreshing. The story takes place in 1997 to 1998. And I don't know if the original couple in the book, the pairings were across racial lines, but these women fit so well that it doesn't matter. Only every once in a while with the way they have Pearl act do I feel like this is not this character. Can we just, yeah, let's fuck the technicalities. I just want to talk about this 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 show. Can we talk about Pearl as a character, please? Because I hate her so every, much. I hate her so much, Ro. The woman, now the young lady who plays her, gorgeous. And she is giving me baby Olivia Pope. 
But she was like, I want to paint my, I want to paint the other wall. I was like, if that ain't a Shonda Rhimes monologue, if I've ever seen one. I want more than one wall. <laughs> yes, man. I was like, you better lean into baby Carrie now. She was in. I was present. Okay. Fantastic. I like her as a actress. Lexi but Underwood, God, her... I, I, you are doing too good a job with this damn Mama, character. listen. Listen, Lexi, sweetheart, I'm keeping my eye on you. I just did the hand motion to my camera. <laughs> I got my eye on you, sis. You, I think you are talented. You are, and she is holding on her paces with Carrie Washington, man. And she is, and she is staying steady. She is staying strong. And I'm like impressed. But by God, do I hate her character, man. Okay, look. so Pearl is Mia Warren's daughter. And Mia and Pearl move from place to place. Kind of as, they're, they're nomads. You kind of get the sense at first that they move around because it's the nature of Mia's work as an artist. You know, she does mixed media, um, whatever she decides on her subject is where they up and decide to move to. But you very quickly realize that Mia has deliberately kept her teenage daughter in a bubble that has produced a child who has the wherewithal to weather this kind of nomadic existence but retains a very dangerous kind of naivety. And she's thirsty for stability, for normalcy, for popularity, for the experiences that you can't get when you're not rooted somewhere and you have like a core friend group. Now, this movie takes place at the same place as the book, which is Shaker Heights, Ohio. I have a friend from Shaker Heights and I almost asked her if she was free to talk to us just because I have questions about Shaker Heights. I will say also the author is either from Shaker Heights or yes. somewhere near Shaker Heights. No, this if is I her remember hometown. correctly. This is her hometown. Okay, this is her hometown. Okay, I was right. Okay, got it. Yeah. And so you get this weird peek into this that Pearl is still kind of in development. But she's on that very weird cusp that certain kids are on that is only going to take one thing to tip them in the wrong damn direction. But she's, you would think that she's more savvy given the life that she and her mother live. And I think the interesting part of that is her mother, her mother is, she's, there's a neglectfulness. Let's be candid. There's a neglectfulness that she has as a mom. And we're getting, I think, slowly but surely throughout the episodes, we're getting a background of where that's coming from and where that nomad nature comes from. Because it's not just her being an artist. There's something clearly traumatic that has happened in her prior life that has made her who she is as a person today. And I'm talking about Mia. Mm -hmm. However, I think, I think, you know, we talked, you, you mentioned that you don't know whether or not the coupling of Mia and Elena are are of different ethnicities and i think that that brings another element to it because if they are not in the book the way that pearl as a character aspires to be elena doesn't read or code as her aspiring to whiteness no and that brings another level of an element now i will say if it was just pearl doing that with elena i think i would i would enjoy this show less but i think what helps balance it a little bit not evenly but balances it enough is that the youngest daughter also wants to be like Mia. Easy. And so you, and so you, I think it brings a level of balance. Now, is it even? 
no because man how how the daughter wants to aspire to be like mia is starkly different than how pearl wants to be like elena because i think on a one-on-one framework from elena and and pearl i think they genuinely have a bond of commonality and i think she sees who she wants her youngest daughter to be and she isn't and she can't relate to her but she can relate to pearl I but think she, it's the interaction of Pearl with the kids. Yeah, that is dog kind of thirsty and yes. problematic and just problematic. Let me tell you, the best person, the best white person on this goddamn show is Moody. Moody progressive. Man, I love Moody. I swear, before I God, love- all I want to do is go save Moody. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't get the vibe, I didn't get the feeling that Elena so much uh, that Pearl so much wants to be Elena as Pearl wants what she thinks Elena is as a mother. Yes. I think it's a combination of that, but I also think there's an aspiration aspect oh, to it oh, too. Oh, yeah, no, they're like, totally kindred. You know, she's a reporter. Oh, because, you know, she's she's a writer. She's a reporter. I was going to say the same thing. She's a writer. Yeah. You know, uh, Elena's a reporter. And like, even again, we are talking about the youngest daughter whose name I'm, I'm blanking on. Sorry, Izzy. sweetheart. Like, Izzy, that's it. Izzy and Mia, both are artists, both have this like tortured spirit, the outfits, everything of that nature. Like, it makes sense, and I, I understand yeah. that. It's, but it's, it's also that Pearl wants rules. She does. Pearl wants structure and stability. Pearl wants... There's one moment that I think just happened in the last episode where Mia and Elena get into a fight, and I think it was the best encapsulation of conversations about opportunity, race... And why those discussions between white with white people always go sideways in ways that you sometimes can't recover from. When she was like, you know, I'm a good mother. I make good choices. And Mia or Carrie Washington turned around and said, no, you had good choices to make. Where you come from, who you are, gave you good choices to make. And Reese's response made me have to walk away from my television so I didn't break it. Her response was, I didn't make it about race. Yeah, and there's a difference between us. I didn't make it about race. And when she's like, you made it about race when you came in the middle of the street asking to be your damn maid. And I think that kind of soap opera, like that dialogue in the wrong hands falls apart. It just, it it doesn't work because it's it's really kitschy. And it's very difficult sometimes when you want to take a book that's got, um, you know, it's got some, it's very contemporary, but it's got certain thriller elements to it and it's got quirks and foibles and they want to play around with some of these issues to translate that in a way that doesn't, you know, just doesn't make hay. So first off the top, I don't think anybody could have made this work the way it is other than Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon. And it's specifically because of what you said about him when we first started. Like all the way as far back to election, Reese Witherspoon has Reese Witherspoon has been truly identified with this particular type of white. Mm-hmm. Like this mindset, this sensibility, um, the sentiment, even the intonation in her voice. Like how you throw out them little lines Oh, I'm sure you have so much in common. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna punch this bitch in her face. And and but then you also have this other element of Pearl, who she comes in this house. She's like, you have this beautiful house. You can actually see the thirst on this child's face. Now that is attributed, you know, 
testament to Lexi Underwood's abilities. But you also see like the little insidious machinations that are going on between the Richardsons outside of that picture perfect image that Pearl seems unable to see through. Like her kids are trash. Her kids are absolutely garbage, except for Moody and his yeah, like both of them. But like but even the to other a two, extent, Moody got his own damn problem. Yeah, he but do. But we still love, we still love and protect we him. Um, he so I that that was a percent agree with you. And again, like this is again, this is this is uh uh truly no matter no matter the story that's crafted about around it, every episode is the recent and carry hour. It's oh, them yeah. knowing who they are, the actors they are, and knowing what their strengths or weaknesses are. And it's a pairing I wouldn't have put in my head. But yeah, it works. It absolutely, absolutely works. I think depending on how the story unfolds and if it lands the plane right, yeah, I, I would, I'd definitely be on that board and on that train for them to get uh, any consideration for this. Because I just think that they do a fantastic job in this performance. Yeah. Well, the first episode's called The Spark. And, you know, they start out and you get snapshot of the Rip- Richardson's house. You get a real clear idea of the personality and attitude for um, Elena Richardson because the first thing that you see her do is kind of, you know, push her kids out the door to get ready to, you know, face their day. But the first thing you learn about her personally is she's a she's she's a I can't mind my own business type. She sees a car that looks out of place in her town and calls the cops on the car, mm-hmm. which then in turn is how you are introduced to Mia Warren and her daughter Pearl. And I think it's one of the better ways without it being in a, you know, massive amounts of exposition or uh, a, a, a fast reel uh, montage of pictures. I think it is one of the better ways that you learn a foundational thing about each person who's a primary character in a show. But I think it gives you, th- I think this is one of the reasons why you end up not liking Pearl by the end of episode four, like truly just not liking her. Is oh, absolutely. The, the impression you get between her and Mia is that there's a partnership, that there's a rhythm to their relationship, that they're solid, that they there's an understanding there, that there's a certain amount of harmony between them. And you don't, re- you, you swiftly realize that that harmony only really exists for Mia. Because mm-hmm. of what she wants to see, right? And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, but it's still, there's still a, uh, there's still lax common sense from Pearl, right? And it's not like her mother doesn't provide it. I think the thing that to me where I was just like, well, damn, is she not talking to her kid? Or like, is she not having these talks with them? Was the, the uh, I think it was episode two or three with the bike. No, she... Okay, this is one of those situations where you know good and damn well you were raised. You can look at the situation and say you weren't raised like this. Your mama, you 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 knew better. You knew before you did it. That's why you tried to lie. And the I'm minute mad the because cops I got just called, channeled my mama joy. I know, I know, but I felt like that watching it, where she when she was like, "Well, you know, the cops helped us. It wasn't that big of a deal." She was like, "You're what do you? Why are you?" using the same talking points as Elena. Elena and them can talk to the cops. We cannot talk to the cops. Like, she yeah. had a, a real black mama moment. It's because this girl does not want... She wants to believe that her mother 
is just being overly dramatic, overly careful, overly paranoid. She wants to believe the areas where her mother is neglectful are not the areas where Pearl feels her mother has been neglectful. Like uh, the whole situation. Yeah. Again, where, you know, she's like, you got to do your chores. You got to get your stuff together. We'll find you stuff that you need. You know, she's very frank about what their circumstances are. Um, they're in this town because this was one of the places she wanted to go to be in the zone for school she wanted to attend. So it's not like her mother leaves her out of the loop. She has, you know, permission to speak freely, to be honest, mm-hmm. to be open. Her mother takes her needs into consideration. Pearl's problem is her wants are trash. Yeah. And I get it. I hated high school on many levels, but one of the ways that I didn't hate it is once I found kind of a place to belong, it allowed you to, you can just relax just a little bit and you can't ever drop your guard in high school. Not if you want to come out whole, you just can't, you can't drop your guard in college, but high school is an even more little pressure cooker environment. So her mom is trying to teach her survival skills. You know, you need to advocate for yourself. But you and I both know if you had come home and told your mom that the guidance counselor told you that you couldn't be in the math class you should be in and the only basis for his opinion was his negative opinion of you as a black person coming from another school, how fast would your mom have been at the school? Oh, mom and dad would have rolled up. My daddy wouldn't have made it there before my mama had it handled. <laughs> but yeah. Mom and dad, my parents would tag team. Like when there was like big teacher problems, they both will they would both come in as a unit and be like, we're going to tag team them. Yeah. Okay. But see, that's, so that for me, that's where it fell off a little. It's like, because my mom's like, you need to speak up. You need to advocate for yourself. You need to do everything. You need to be clear. And a part of the reason why she did that, and this is what's missing in the episode, is because my mom is like, because when I am come up there, it's done. It's a wrap. If I get involved, it's a wrap. So you need to try to yep. handle this yourself before I get involved. My mom always gave us an opportunity to keep, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like the cooler says it's time not to be cool. So here's where where it, it, like Pearl's relationship also, like where I also had to give a side eye and it was not, it has nothing to do with the right things, but I think it's just, again, Lexi Underwood does a fantastic job in the role. The, the limited bonding and he's such a small character and hope, and maybe he gets bigger as the uh, episodes progress. Those, the, the, the trying to find a placement of solidarity with Brian the older sister's boyfriend and shorty just like skirted him off i was just like dog because he's trying to vote bo- <sighs> girl i don't understand it i mean okay so that what is that second episode after elena goes to the school to help lexi fix her problem getting into the right math class and I mean, I would have too. No one well, tried to make you take geometry twice. Agreed, but like she also needs to talk about. She needs to figure out how to put her son back in remedial. Her son Matt, is dumb. Trip, trip is dumb. Is trip, dumb. Trip, is, trip is trip is being social past. He's being socially passed from grade to grade. Trip is dumb, but that's where you run into Moody's conceit. Like 
Moody has no choice but to have his shit together because he takes so much crap in his house. Like his brother does just blatantly horrible things to him and his mom doesn't clue in until Moody responds. That it's like and I was like, "Really? I'm having I'm having youngest child flashbacks to the middle child doing something stupid, but mama not hearing anything until my voice says something." Turn around going, "I'm we're not going to have that kind of language in this house." And you're like, "But did you just hear him? Did you just see him snatch all my food out my hand?" And they play those moments over and over again, and they do it so well that you really feel like you're watching the family get ready to go to work or to go to school. And I was like, I hate, fuck these kids. I mean, I was like on some Chris fucked them kids tip by the middle of episode two. Um, You know, Moody is gone and he's helped Pearl move in and he's her friend and then taking her to his favorite hiding spot. spot. Like boy knows all wide open for Pearl. He is in it. He is in it to win it. But he's being open. He's being on authentic. And you feel like at first, oh, Pearl's cool. You know, she and Moody are cool. Maybe, you know, she's not really feeling him that way, but they're friends. And then you swiftly get the idea that one, Moody used her a little to kind of back his brother off about him not having a girl or anything to hang out with. But it was kind of mutually beneficial because Pearl was damn sure using Moody to get closer to his family. Mm-hmm. And Lexi, I don't like to wish ill upon people, but I would like Lex- Lexi Richardson to never prosper. Little Miss, I'm going to yell. Little Miss, I'm going to steal your hardship experience and plagiarize it for my yell essay. Little Miss... I'm going to throw my hoo-ha at my boyfriend to distract him from my trash assness. Or, or the most important part, Little Miss, I wouldn't have apologized or tried to do a semblance of apology or throw money at poor girl Pearl to make up the fact that I stole something from her if my black boyfriend didn't bring it up. Right. But, like, the just the way they introduce all these issues, like, like you were saying, this is the sea of microaggressions and it had me ready to fight. And I blame you. I don't care if I already read this book. They are deviating. I will tell you this. Um, they are deviating. I, I like the story that they're playing out a little better with Izzy. Um, I feel like she's a, a more three dimensional character played brilliantly by the actress playing her. Good God. God, this girl has a way with a bitter, angry face. Um, oh, she's Megan's, a fa- she has a fantastic face. I love the short haircut. I just love everything about it. Yeah, Megan Stott. I I feel like they they grafted a lot of the um, more pressingly relevant late '90s issues into the Izzy character. I don't remember if they kind of were playing with the is she gay? Is she isn't gay? In the can't remember i do remember that she was very much so the black seed of the family uh she was the one who spoke up about social issues you know oh so you basically want me to eat a pig who's a three-year-old okay cool so she was that kid you know and the reason why she gets in trouble in the book is she stands up for somebody when a teacher says something racist to them 
Now, I don't know why they made that change to what they made on the show, but I do feel like it kind of fit the energy of the show better than the incident in the book fit the energy for where the flow was of the story. It just, it didn't, it didn't fit quite as well. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, the only people I'm really checking for on this show is, are Izzy and Moody. Um, yeah. It's your fault. Yeah, I, team, team Izzy and Moody, I will say, if they do more with Brian, the boyfriend of Lexi, I'd like to see more of it. If they do something with him. I don't know if they I will or not. I need him to dump her publicly. I, man, like, I, I, because I was nervous. When I saw the boyfriend, I was like, Lord, don't let it be nothing foolish, Jesus. And when he cracked that joke to Pearl and Pearl being fucking Pearl and not getting the look, she said we would get along because it's some racist shit. But like, actually, let's get along. We both black. Like, yeah, like, he's like, you know, we can be, we can be cool. We actually could be cool because we are both black. But like the way she said it was some bullshit. But like, we actually could be friends if you want. And she was just like, oh. and I was just like, man. But, but I, now each of the episodes is often written or directed, not necessarily by the same person as the previous episode. So I feel like there's a little lack of continuity in that storyline. I don't think they know how to handle it. I, I think, I think the actor playing her boyfriend, Lexi's boyfriend has a firm grasp on the character. So I agree with you. He absolutely is being underutilized because how many places you go that the homecoming king, the quarterback, uh, also has just as many academic stats and they talk about he going to Yale when he graduate and he's a black man running around here with a whole ass kid and play t- high, high top fade. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, his Halloween costume is Bill Clinton, the first black president. And it was funny. But... Um, and then on top of that, he... Uh... He doesn't shy away from the fact that he's black and not even interacting with the Richardsons. Like he calls, he, Lexi mentions uh, in passing that he calls her out on some shit. All the time. All the time. And that's where I started to have another kind of problem with Pearl, where I started to feel like she was reminding me of another character from that I just watched, The Oldest Son on Plot Against America, uh, is a child who willfully refuses to believe that the elements and obstacles that their parents are trying to train them to recognize and deal with appropriately are real. I feel like Pearl shies away from being better friends with him because he's all the way black. He doesn't pretend like he's like, Oh yay, rap. You know, (laughs) he got, he got shade for everybody and he throws it and he doesn't pretend like, you know, like the whole time that Reese Witherspoon was making her little Martin Luther King speech, he looked at her like he wanted to say, are you really trying to say that wasn't about the civil rights? I wasn't about y'all. That wasn't about y'all. Y'all were, you were invitees. You did not throw the party. Yeah. You know what it it boils down to is like, he's, I think in particular, he's, he's, he is certain in who he is and he's certain in what his place is in life. And a large part of that is he is certain of who he is as a black man. And right. I think that not only does that part scare her, but it also drags her unintentionally just him being around. Yeah. Because he is not, he is a part of this family without having to assimilate into this family. He makes her uncomfortable. 
she's bending over backwards yeah for these for this white family and he does not do that and he's still welcomed with open arms yeah he makes her uncomfortable and i i hope they continue to play into that because i think it's a valuable thing that you know he's he's got a whole lot of privilege and he recognizes it and he doesn't allow anybody to take it from him he also doesn't act like he owes anybody extra gratitude to be where he is and to be who he is and um of course you know like many men before him a girl threw some puss in his face and took it when he should have walked away so he yeah but perfect. yeah kudos to the actor because i don't know if that's in the script or it's just his delivery or performance but i think if i would i would love so I, th- I think having that, di- that 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 dimension of Pearl interacting with another Black person her age, because really this story is really only centered, the only Black people centered in this world is Mia and Pearl right. with a little bit of Brian, the boyfriend. Right. And I would love to see that dimensionalized a little bit more because I think there's the, the limited interactions they had at prom and at dinner I was like, oh, this is meaty. I'm I'm in. That's meaty over here. And that's not to take away from all the amazing other meaty parts of the show. But that but one the in other parts particular, of the show are meaty in expected ways. This isn't. You don't usually get no, this. That's really what it is. Yep. You 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 captured it better than I could have said. Like this was an unintentional meatiness. I didn't know what his reaction was going to be. I thought he was going to be an ancillary character and just like very quiet. But when he cracked that joke to her, I was like, oh, no, there's something here. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it's the actor um, because I heavily identified with him in ways that I thought was amusing where like he's just he's like, what is happening? Like he had so many times where he's just looking at this situation where he's like, what is happening here? Why am I here? What is, he why? called his white girlfriend on her shit multiple times. He approached Pearl at prom on, on when he was like, did she talk to you about? What happened, so-and-so? He aired her all out. That he aired he everybody her, out. <laughs> that fact that he just met this girl and was like, fuck allegiance. I don't care if this is my girlfriend now. This is some bullshit. And I know it's some bullshit because as a black person, I know this is some bullshit. And went marched straight up to Pearl and was like, look. I was like, okay, again, you, you know, what I love about the show is even in the smaller characters that you're not expecting much from, yeah. All great actors. They're giving they're drawing something out of here. Yeah. That is pleasant. I mean, you don't often get images like she's making decisions because she wants to belong. She's also making decisions because she's trying to figure out who she is. I do believe that you are correct on that tip. And the examples that she wants to lean into are the ones that she believes equal a better life. And those are the Richardsons because she doesn't know what happens when she's not there at their house. And she's not listening to Moody when he tells her she thinks he's probably on some sibling, sibling rivalry shit. All she sees is Lexi is the homecoming queen. She's popular. She is the queen bee and she's dating him and he's popular, but she doesn't know how to relate to him. And she also doesn't like to admit that she needs help. So when he's like, you don't have to be okay with her taking your experience and making it hers. You don't have to, she lied to you. You know, you don't have to be okay with that. And then you juxtapose it to her mama saying, you are not her dress up doll. They do not own you. 
what are you doing? And the reason that, you know, she's like, I took that job because she protect really, you? Yeah. To keep you away from them? I was like, ooh! Yeah, I knew why she took that job. The second that Elena said her daughter's name, she's like, you're not taking my child. So she knows her child is vulnerable. She knows that her child is not settling because people keep asking her questions that she can't answer. And she thinks those answers are more important than who she is. And and a lot of people get hung up on that. And a part of it has to do with little bitches like Lexi going, somebody in your family is white. You should ask your mom. You're totally mixed with something. I don't think people talk enough about how much people look for whiteness in black people. Mm -hmm. Come on with the word. (laughs) wrong with the word i mean assimilation and and respectability politics are a huge thing or 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 how about this one we're gonna we're gonna make it even more deep oh dear on on top of how much people look for whiteness in black people how much if they can't find us a set trace they try to other you and make you a more special black person yeah the magical which is the magical negro and i look I'm dark skinned with a certain set of hair. You can't look at me and be like, "Oh, are you mixed?" I don't have that look. I don't got the. I don't have the pearl look. Okay. Yeah. I knew what I was. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a black ass person with black ass mama and a black ass daddy. All day. And long. I've never been. And I've never been confused by that. But my version of that was my intelligence and my like life trajectory, and yeah. I got you are different than these other black girls. I don't mean and you. Yeah. How often did you or hear like, that? <laughs> oh, me, of, of course. Same. Like, and it, and it was more with interaction, the limited interaction that I had white people because I grew up in the South Bronx and not really a lot of, well, they're there, but they live in like Riverdale. And so, um, it was, it was weird. It was such a weird time. And so while I understand to a certain degree, the, the need for belonging that Pearl desires and even, you know, as simple as she wants a house, she wants money, <laughs> she wants to live a, a better life than the drifting life that they've been living, and I think that is a fair call out. But since I, this ain't the way to go about it, and I think she knows enough about her mother's past to know that they could have it. Mm-hmm. She c- clearly because Shorty made a few phone calls and was able to get thirty thousand dollars like that. She's talented. Oh. Oh, they're like, you know what you need to sell to make that money. And I'm like, did this bitch send something to Sotheby's? Okay. What is your real name, ma'am? But when you you have all of this stuff going on with her daughter, Pearl, who's, you know, she's a sophomore. She's highly intelligent. She's highly capable. She's very pretty. She wants to belong. She wants to blend. And she's willing to bend to get it. She's also willing to be blind. Like, Pearl is deliberately walking around here doing dumb shit that Brian is like, you you know you ain't got to do none of this right. You know, I know it's hard to fit in. I know it, how it's hard to belong. You got any issues, you know, hit me up. And she looked at him with that smiling, mm-hmm, I'll just wait on the Literally. hostess. And also, like, that is the most popular boy at school. Yes. And he's coming to you directly being like, you don't got to sell out, dog. He didn't say it like that, but, but he, said he said it said. like that. Right, you feel me? Like, he was just like, you don't got to do this, man. Yeah. I'm black, you're black. I got you. There's a way for you to be here and still be you. But she doesn't believe him. 
she's latched onto Trip. Trip is the ideological image that she has. She sees him sitting there. He's surrounded by these little girls, and then that's what Trip she sees. She, I think she even, be- Trip ain't even cute. I but it. I know he's not. But I think she believes that Brian's popularity stems from Lexi. I don't think she comprehends. She doesn't Can really Lexi get... throw a football? I'm sorry. We, I'm talking about this woman. Like, like this is a real character. Can Lexi throw a football? I was like, she's speaking to she ain't one speech and but debate nothing that he didn't critique. Au contraire. Now I will I say that there is a level is there a level of shine that he gets from dating Lexi? Yes, but it's a mutual shine. They're a power couple. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Lexi isn't power. I said she was Queen B. I meant that. But I think to Pearl's frame of mind, because Pearl doesn't want to admit the the level at which blackness can be an obstacle. Like you saw that when she was talking to the guidance counselor. She folded a little. And I think her mother has never seen that aspect of her which is why she's like you need to advocate for yourself you have to speak up for yourself you know how to do this i've seen you do this i taught you how to do this but when she got in that office and it got to the moment going first of all i'm not from cleveland not that there's anything wrong to be from cleveland but that's not where i'm from second of all you need to stop making assumptions and look at my transcript my grades tell you i need to be in algebra 2 not geometry i've already taken the class parts of it you know, it's a different experience here. So give me a placement test. You know, that's yeah. how that conversation should have gone. But Pearl folded. The second she realized all he saw as her as being black, she convinced herself it was because she was poor. Because poor, she can do something about. And poor she can blame on her mom because her mom could change that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so they very rarely overtly give you a black character who isn't a caricature who's dealing with these issues at a high school age. She's not hyper-dramatized. This is one aspect of the show that doesn't read as soap opery, because Lord knows <laughs> everything else. There's plenty of soap opera and mess to go around. But these elements of the show that kept me in here, and I was like, I'm so mad at you, Joy. I'm so mad at you. Cause I'm sitting over here going, Did did Mia steal this baby? Did she steal the baby? Bruh. The big the, the BB aspect of the show is where I'm just like, oh, this shit's off the fucking rails I'm in. I was off All the rails through. when the second episode over with her fucking the dude in the front seat with the baby in the back in the baby seat. Oh, dog. I was just sitting there like, what is happening? I need the context. Can we all agree she was turning a trick? She was. I okay. really do think she was. Okay. That was sex work in action with your kid in the back and you had to quit and go take care of your baby you got to go and i was like is this what we're doing so those flashes that you give us these moments of you know you know whatever it is that formed maya into who she is and why she's so self-possessed and why she's so jumpy and but when i first looked at that i was like did she steal that baby is that her child what the hell is going on with maya but then you turn around and you remember that on the flip side of that issue, Moody told Pearl that Elena was just about 
to be able to have the job to where she would be outside, her life and her world would be bigger than Shaker, and she was pregnant with Izzy and she couldn't take the job. So whereas Maya turned everything around and made it about that child, Pearl, I feel like Elena looks at Izzy and sees what it cost her. Yeah, especially when she... That, and I think she feels as though there is a level of ungratefulness for that sacrifice, too. Yeah. And I think that's the important part, too, where I think if if Izzy turned out to be like Lexi, I think Elena could have made enough excuses for herself to look past it. She could have lived with it. She could have. If, if Izzy had fallen directly into the box the way Trip fell into, you know, jock box, and she's okay with that, God help us, and Lexi is a little miniature her... If if Izzy had fallen right in, even if she was just like her husband, if she had just been some recognizable element of them, she would have been perfectly content and reconciled with the fact that she turned away from that job and a bigger career for her family because motherhood is important to her. I mean, motherhood is important to both these women, but what they the what they think they're supposed to get as a result of being mothers is different. Like, and I think it's, a, it's I think one treats it as it's a responsibility that she takes important, but it, there's a the level of burden, and I think it has a lot to do with the trauma that we've yet to reveal about her. The other one uses it as a personality trait. Yeah, she leads with it because she's the queen bee herself on her level. She wants to be be all end all, and she's in everybody's business, and her fingers, and she's throwing this party, and she's on this committee, and book club meets at her house, and. And she has all these different levels of influence. And she, the only thing that's sticking out for her is her child who would like her mother to listen when she talks and stop telling her how she can fix herself. Cause um, I played the violin and I'm gonna tell you right now, there is no world in which I would have written on my forehead. I'm not your puppet and not played my part in that, in the chamber con concert in the first episode that that would not have happened in my life if it would have been we would have the next episode would have opened with a funeral because i would be dead dead yeah now again i think that once again goes along with the drama of this like is it extremely ridiculous yes is it extremely white people drama absolutely but is it enjoyable as hell yes <laughs> the mess is amazing come on by the middle of episode three you have an illegal immigrant who's working under the table for a drug dealing <laughs> restaurant owner restaurant owner who in a fit of postpartum and her child being sick left her child at a safe haven because she couldn't take it anymore and is now so severely depressed she can barely serve the tables in her restaurant without openly weeping and can yeah. we talk you about... you already know... Oh, who are you going to talk about? You going to talk about the, the, uh, the mother who adopted mm -hmm. her baby? I was going to talk yeah. about Linda. I... Let's turn to Linda. I need to know how you feel about Linda. Linda, Linda about to be on some bullshit. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my spirit. Something's going to happen with Linda. Linda is unhinged. Oh, yeah. Unhinged. And she is nowhere near as... She is way more effective than this than her husband. And you can tell. And I think she is going to go through some extreme memes, uh, uh, means to do it. And I think we, the way we kind of end off on the, on episode four is that news segment. 
And so and they're fighting dirty. Stroke brilliant. Man. And also, fucking, also, uh, Elena, your husband is a lawyer. What did you think was going to happen? She thought the poor people were going to shut up. That's what she thought. And she thought okay. that the poor people were going to fight back. Can we just talk about the fact that this show does an excellent job of showing the ways in which people firmly believe that their worldview is the worldview and their priorities should matter more than anything else. When she walked in BB's house, start talking about you were a good mother and I, you did all the, I was like, you really think she can't see you trying to gaslight her right now? Mm-hmm. But the best part BB ever said was like, you got kids? And she was like, yeah, I got four beautiful babies. She said, how much you selling for them? And yeah. I was like, oop. I was like, yeah, you didn't even try to see if you were talking to somebody who could see through your game. You automatically assumed you were the smartest person in the room. And that's what I really love about all of Maya and Elena's interaction. They each act like they're the smartest person in the room. And Elena's arrogance is what keeps getting her in troubles. But Maya's misplaced empathy is making her reckless and messy. Like her empathy should be directed at Pearl. This is the first time that she settled Pearl down. She needed to be paying far more attention to what's going on with her kid. And I think additionally, the we talked a little we talked a lot about the Elena and Pearl relationship. The way that she gives access to um Izzy that she doesn't give her daughter access yeah. is a little fucked up too, man. It's extremely fucked up. See, that's where you start running into the comparisons between them and as a mother. They, neither one of them listen. They do not listen to their children. Like, they do not pick up. I don't understand how you miss that something has happened and Elena's friend group has been destroyed as a result. I don't know how you miss that if you are clued into your mom and your kid. As much as Reese Witherspoon's character is a control freak a complete and utter madcap control freak down to a color-coded board and scheduled sex. So scheduled that you can't even move the start time for minutes. How does she miss her child having a fallout with her best friend and realizing that it's serious? Even worse is that, like, it wasn't like the kid didn't talk to somebody. She talked to her dad about it. Her dad sat on it for months. Months. Knew about it. Can we talk about the fact that I think that um, that girl, April, and Izzy were dating? I think they were dating. And got caught? And yep. April threw Izzy under the bus? That's what I think, too. Because she didn't want to admit to her parents that she's gay? Also, how much you want to bet, like, let's just throw out our wild theories about you, about the show. How much you want to bet Mia and Elena's husband going to have sex? Man! First thing I said, he's totally going to try to smash. That was my first thought. I was like, As soon as I realized that she actually had talent, that they weren't like, it wasn't her just telling people she was an artist because that's an easy way to get around saying I ain't got no job. Um, And the fact that he didn't just go cut the grass or like call and let her know that here's the gas because you go ahead and cut the grass. We got a ticket that he felt the need to go up there. And then the comment that he had at that birthday party, that's the woman that oh. your wife lets in the house. Yep. I was like, yeah, y'all setting it up. <laughs> that, was, like, that was, that was yeah. what it was for me when the, when the, when his friend was like, that's who, that's, that's y'all's uh, mate. Yeah. 
I was like, ooh, yeah, he gonna sleep for Somebody is gonna shoot their shot. Now, whether or not it happens will be a totally different question because, you know, the dynamic has changed. But I could totally see her hate fucking his, uh, um, I could see her having sex with him out of pure, unadulterated spite and vengeance. But, okay, so what's your theory on um, why Maya is running? Because they're definitely running for something. My, and I kind of hope this is not the case. I thought it was a potential sexual assault scenario. Was my first thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still sticking with that thought. I and I say I hope they it doesn't go to that because I I will be the first to say the whole woman gets raped and trope and her life changes and she's running from something. I just think it's tired and I hate it. And I don't think most people, if not any people, do it well. So I'm hoping that's not the case. But well, could- if they stick to the book, I'm happy to tell you that will not be the case. Good. Okay, great, 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 great. At all. I'm not going to make it, y'all. I didn't even tell somebody. Episode 5 comes out to, uh, uh, tomorrow. So we're recording this podcast on Tuesday. It, it will be coming out midnight tonight, a.k.a. Wednesday. That'll be episode 5. So then that'll be 5, 6, 7, 8. The last four episodes are coming out soon. Yep. Please do not spoil it. Oh, you I'm not telling. People. I'm not telling. For the, yeah, for the book I readers, mean, please don't I'm not, spoil it. I'm not I'm... telling. That's why I said we're going to talk about one through four. We're not going to come back until it's five through eight. But yep. like that that's why I said you get into all of this thing. And I mean, okay, Moody is, that poor child needs to be adopted elsewhere. But when you look at the whole situation with Maya and Bibi, where Maya at first tries to stay detached but helpful, but then overly identifies with this girl. And that's where you circle back around again to this whole, you'll always be a mother. A mother is a mother is a mother. And I thought it was really well done that they also then juxtaposed away from there to talking about people who become mothers other ways or don't want to be mothers at all and how people talk about them like when she was like oh elizabeth is allergic to children she'll try to convince anybody not to have them i i would like that trope to die that your vagina was put on your body for you to push children out of it i i need that i need that i need that to die can we have that die i'd like to die I agree. And I think like it's not it's not just a um nineties uh like nineties thought, but I do think like that comment, them reading the vagina mind, I think that was very nineties. Like it was oh so nineties yes. in the delivery of it. Now that is not there are people in twenty twenty who believe that now. Unfortunately. Okay, come on, let's be real. The ladies who lunch set hasn't evolved, it just includes more ethnicities. That's really what it is. And again, like it it'll it will include, you know, Pearl in thirty years. So Pearl wants to be a lady who lunched so bad. So fucking bad man, I'm sorry. We I don't we should just name this episode uh, uh episodes one through four, we hate Pearl. <laughs> that might happen. I we really do hate Pearl. I don't look I get it. I get it. You wanna belong, you've been that kid. 
but you know good and it's- damn well her mother hasn't re- neglected her as a disciplinarian for the simple fact that when her mom runs up on that house and says, get in the car, standing in the rain, oh, there's you know no doubt. Right. Now, again, and I agree with you. I will stand firm in the fact that Mia has, has been neglectful in very damaging ways. But teaching her child who she is in terms of her blackness, how to interact with folks, because one thing about Mia, Mia is street smart. She ain't dumb. Especially, you can't be being a drifter and being a nomad in the way that she is. So there's a level of hesitance that she has, not only with people, but in particular, white affluent people that you can smell on her mm-hmm. when she steps onto the scene. And you the only reason, reason why... Yeah, and you only and the only reason why she's even in Shaker is because of Pearl. She was in the right and zone wanting, for her daughter to go to school. Exactly. And so she would not be there otherwise for her. But what was really so, killing me about a lot of this is I feel to a certain extent that Pearl feels that her mother's self-possession and arrogant is unearned. And I think it's because she feels like her mother owes her some greater background image who's your parents who are we where am I from and I think it's more than just wanting to know her people it's it's a social hierarchy thing and she can't play because she doesn't have the cards and she blames her mom but when you see her mom move when you see how she handles things when you see how she directs her child to act in these situations and the first time that her daughter gets pulled up to her house and what she even thinks is a police car. <laughs> Joy. Oh, she fantastic acting by Kerry Washington. And did any of it feel unbelievable? No. Up to and including <laughs> Reese Witherspoon's character trying to interject like something was wrong with how Kerry Washington's character responded. Yeah. And, I, and let me just be clear. We hate Pearl. But Pearl's not an unrealistic character. No, she's not. That's why we hate her. Yeah, and yeah, that's what <laughs> like there are there are a bunch of of black girls like Pearl. Mm-hmm. And it frustrates me to no end. But like that's that is a real character. That is a lived in character. I know that character. Yeah. And that's why we hate her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she makes it difficult for you to be able to navigate any other way that doesn't end up being assimilation. Uh, I, I know I've said this like 20 billion times on this episode, but like, yo, the way she interacted with Brian will forever put a taste in my mouth. When I tell you I almost threw my laptop across the room like a frisbee, I was like, girl, he is trying to open his arms to you. Uh, and yeah. not in a romantic way, not in a skeevy way. He is just looking at you like you are in over your head. I am trying to be helpful. Let me throw you a life raft because you threw off your safety harness, aka Moody, before you were ready. And you can tell he he smells the desperation on her. Mm-hmm. And the fresh meat. Yep. I was yep. like, you have no, you have no idea. And it's one of those things where if she's been to different schools and she's been the new kid, she should know better. That's the other thing too that be that was blow, like that was that was wild to me. Was just like if this is something that your mom always does, is it because that you've interacted? Is this the first time that she's maybe interacted with families like that or areas like that that were so welcoming to her 
that she now has this like yearning. Like I think the yearning will always be there. But if you have somebody that can to that can feed you a little bit of meat, you'll constantly be hungry. Yeah. I, I feel like it's probably the result of this is the first time she can walk in a room that she can see through the window. So other yeah. places that they may have lived, there's no way for her to 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 cross the Rubicon, so to speak. This is the first time that her introduction into the set has happened in such a way that it was organic enough for her to be able to pretend uh, enough to insinuate. It's just, I don't like to use the word insinuate because I really do feel like to a certain extent the Richard family is using Pearl in ways that I find to be deeply unsavory, particularly the older two siblings, to a oh, lesser degree. Yeah. Absolutely. I was gonna say I was gonna say, oh absolutely. Okay. But on the other hand, I feel like you know, circling back around to what you said, the reason why we really don't like this character is because this person exists and we've all had to sit around and watch this person make it difficult for us not to make the same choices they want to make. Like she's not content to be who she is and have them like that person. And a part of that is because she wants to emulate Elena and she thinks that that means she has to cut off parts of who she is in order to do so. You know what this is? I think how Elena treats Pearl is how Madeline treats Bonnie on Big Little Lies. Mm. There is a level of this is a project I can work on. This is a life I can better. And it all stems from race. There is a underlying clear cut gem of race that when you start picking at it and picking through the surf and you don't gotta do much digging it's there and it's shiny and it's present well she keeps and saying that, i like to feel good about it i want to feel good about what i'm doing and it is that i was gonna say disgusting it is it is disgusting, disgusting. but unsavory i think is the yeah but i think unsavory is the right word for it it is just and and that is an and how lexi treats Pearl is an extension of how Elena treats Pearl. Mm-hmm. How Trip treats her on the last episode is an extension of how Elena treats Pearl, albeit in a very just gross teenage boy way. There's just elements to it. Uh, even how Moody, Moody made a statement during um, Halloween party where he kind of just assumed that she was automatically scary spice when they dress up as the Spice Girls, that they forced her to do it because she's black. And she was like, no, I chose to be scary. Which, as somebody who loves the Spice Girls, I would have chosen to be scary too because why would I want to be the white character? I would like to be the black character. Right. So, I even even tidbits of that. She doesn't interact with, with uh, she doesn't interact with Izzy in the first four episodes. I hope we get to see some interaction with her. Because I'd I, love to I, have a... I would like I, Izzy to stay away from Pearl. But on the same token, though, I would love to see a tête-à-tête with them because Unless at some point they punch they pearl in her fucking face. Maybe I don't want to see it. <laughs> but I, you know, but you know why I would like to see that is because yeah. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had on when then when do they start noticing that the other is hanging out with their parent a lot? Oh, they already know, and I think I I don't know if you could have the conversation between Izzy and Pearl without it being stereotypical, and I think that's why I want them to avoid it. I think that 
that they haven't laid enough groundwork for it to be anything other than a resentment fest or tossing, you know, tossing what I get from your mother in your face kind of situation. And I think that is just an overplayed stereo. It's an overplayed storyline that I don't want here. Um, I also think that the deliberate separation of them provides the audience, us, the opportunity to be judgy as hell, which I'm deeply enjoying the mess in the judgment. But I also still think it gives us a different way to also look at the whole Mei Ling, Maribel, BB, Linda, and her husband situation with this found baby adoption. It's like, you know, you've got these two girls who each have a mother who's deeply invested in them, but not in the way that the child wants. And then you've got this child whose mother was coming off the rails and quite frankly was probably real close to thinking about putting a pillow over that baby face. So instead of doing that with no options and no help, left her child somewhere in the hopes that someone would find and take care of her child. But you have this other woman on the other end who all she wants is a baby. So you've got two women who all they want is a baby and you've got two kids who all they want is a mother. But all four of these people have very decided ideas about what that's supposed to mean that doesn't match reality in any of their worlds. And I'm really enjoying the story that they're telling there. It lets me yell at the TV screen, unplug the HDMI cable from my laptop so, you know, I can make it stop. I did that once at one point in time. I think it was during the dinner when Brian was there and she started talking about how the Million Man March needs to be inclusive. Or she started talking about, I can't go into the meetings for the uh, the affirmation of black students. And he's like, that's because it's about us supporting each other. It's not about you. I, I unplugged the HDMI cable from the laptop and just, I had to walk away from everything because I was watching it in the bedroom. So I don't know if we would lose those elements if they actually brought the confrontation between Izzy and Pearl together. That's fair. That I still want to see it because... No, that makes sense. I still want to. I still want to see it because of that. But like, <laughs> I I don't disagree with the thing. <laughs> if they could give it to me, and I, it could be at, it could be messy without unraveling what they're doing for the story that I'm really enjoying. I'm all for it. But if they, if if I, I'm not disappointed in little fires everywhere yet, and I think that's why I'm careful about wish casting of what I'd like to see next. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see, like, if I had to pick things that I would enjoy seeing, I think I would enjoy seeing that if they do it right. I would enjoy seeing Mia, um, hate fucking Elena's husband. Okay. I mean, let's be real. I ain't gonna lie. I would love to see Brian dump Lexi publicly. Man, that would be great. Actually, no, fuck everything else. That's the number one thing I want. Get one out here. Make Brian the main character, yo. I, Brian Hive all day. Brian is the best character on that fucking show mm-hmm. because he gives you a level of snooty privilege with a beautiful side of pro blackness and the most self-aware person. He is clearly the gym from the office of this universe of Shaker Heights, Ohio. And because I'm he's here always for it. Camera. And that's me. The every his reactions to everything was just me. Like where I'm just like. Why are we talking about MLK at the table right now? Yeah. Awkward. What is this conversation going? But but this is this is the kind of anti-blackness that white people don't understand is anti-blackness. 
they don't that you feel like you have to find some touchstone in order to talk to me like we can relate to each other like you can't just talk about whatever you was going to talk about if i wasn't here you have to find some kind of way to encapsulate this and you always reach for civil rights like that's all we got you know, and the fact like, that they, and, and you know, like, I mean, I know that these are probably conversations they've always had at the table because that's the type of people they are, but you know, they were rubbing their hands like Birdman because they got two black people at the table today. Look at our black so you, friend. But the one oh moment where God. she was like, Jesse Jackson still calls it African American and he's on TV. And I was like, a whole last person just told you a whole last black man said, call me black. Uh uh-uh. uh. But that's the kind of thing. And it's like these moments, they're done with such a deft touch that they feel perfectly rooted in the world that's been created they don't feel like there's some kind of call out i don't it's not agenda pushing and they're not cherry picking so you get a real nice round look at all this mess maya isn't perfect i mean she out here she went in a whole woman's house and basically inspected her baby and then went somewhere else and said that's your baby girl and, and then was dumb enough, and then was dumb enough to roll up, and when they had the police report, clearly her bumper sticker, and you know, and like Elena for her being at a local news organization, still was going to be a big reporter, and she is a reporter now, and she a nosy white woman. Like, what did you expect was going to happen? She yeah. was going to find you out, sis. She's an actual journalist, and she's a manager calling white woman. Oh yeah, she's a she was I was told by AppleCare, which in the nineties, what would that be? I was told by Walkman. I don't like Girl, the point Apple is is that it's still Apple. Still Apple. <laughs> but they didn't have Apple Care at the time. No. But and they didn't have a genius Apple. bar. So I was told by AppleCare white woman. That is absolutely Elena. She I is was at me... customer service in Best Buy and they told me. That is her. Yep. That is it. That's her. And so, yeah, we've gone off the rails. We haven't even really reviewed the show. We've been talking about how... (laughs) But I'm fine with that. Sorry, everybody. We got into the character assessment and everything. No, 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 no. I think that's fine. I don't even think we need to review... We can just... The review review is the score we give at the end. That's all I'm going to give it. I think that... (laughs) I'm I'm honestly, seriously, I think it's a combination of me being tired and I want to wrap it up soon. But it's also... We gotta it's also because I have to get up in the morning because just because we are working from home don't mean a bitch is not on a time Ooh, schedule. Amen. Now, so uh, the show is riveting. Like this is my encapsulating review. I think the 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 strength and the core of the show begins and ends with Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon. They are the 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 major planet that the rest of the show and these characters orbit around. But God bless them, because outside of that, they're actually very, very good, very, very good actors that are rising their their A game to the level of the two leads. And I think that that brings a a level of just a masterclass of drama, of intrigue, of thriller, of foolishness, but groundedness at the same time that makes Shaker Heights, Ohio, and this version, this fictionalized version of it, alive and thriving. And so I am looking forward to seeing what the other four episodes are. A baby is, was trying to get stolen, y'all. Like, I think we haven't hit that point hard enough. They try to steal a baby halfway into the show. <laughs> Some woman ran into a house during a baby shower and tried to steal a baby to straight a baby. up. So I snatch a baby. And it, sound, and it is as ridiculous as it sounds. But it they, it, they make it work. 
This show is terrible. We're and just now getting to the point to where you realize why someone might have tried to burn down this hoe's house in the beginning of the first episode. Bruh, they try to steal a baby. Like we even in half. We're we are now halfway into the show. And they try to steal a whole baby. We still so, don't know for a fact why Maya is running with Pearl. We don't that, know. Hello. They introduced this baby. This baby B plot, and I was just like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Who is Pearl and Pearl and me? I'm so confused. So, um, yeah, like the, the, this show is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's ridiculous no. in all the best ways. And I, I, I do, and I, and I don't compare. I, I I compare it to Big Little Lies season one in this way. There's just a level of just white people foolishness where you're just like, this this only could have come from a book. <laughs> yes. Uh, Celeste Ng, it came out in 2017. It's by the same name, Little Fires Everywhere. I did not think that this would work on screen. I'm not going to lie. I like the book. I enjoy the book. It did not necessarily stick with me in the ways that some of the themes that they've elevated in how they visualize them. And again, I'm a cosign on This is a Carrie and Reese show in a way that I'm fantastically in support of. But also... I, I feel like they didn't try so hard to avoid some of the fakeness and the Stepfordness of the world that people want to believe that we live in. The world of Shaker Ice, Ohio is the world that people are now discovering never really existed. That 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 these were like this nice little utopia, this bubble, it's a great place to live, great place to work, all of that kind of thing as long as you follow the rules and as long as you fit into the box. And the second you don't, you get messy, messy, messiness. And I'm enjoying all of it. And I hope the, the last five episodes were as good as the first four. Again, remember, this drops Wednesdays on Hulu, because it's a Hulu yep. original. And so. one more thing. I would not, and they don't even have to star in it, I would like to see more Reese and Carrie production tag teams. I would love to see yes. more of that. I, I mean, would if, love if, to see more of that. I, I think, I mean, they have Liz Treglar as the showrunner, and she's also an EP on this. So I think the combination of those three behind them, there's this just certain amount of integrity to the work that they do that it, it feels like there's something there. It's like, and you know, you know how I feel about book adaptations. It's just so often tragic. Yeah, but I I have not read the book, but like if it's coming from Roe and and for those who who listens to this MTR segment, um, who have listened to other books that we've reviewed that have been turned into film adaptations, see Sun is also a star. Um, for example, uh, and that was my first I talk shit and read uh cameo. I think guest guest one. Uh, so what what a time! I think this is woo. Sun is also sorry. Is not this show. I will tell you that. Okay. Look, you um, noticed I didn't have to pull out the book and show you any places where there was a possibility they could have done better than what they gave us. You I read parts of the book, and I was like, "Bro, this is all great, and engaging. The movie is not good, though." And we agreed on that. I'm not saying that you were reading those pieces of the book to say that they were, not. but you were reading. You were reading those pieces of the book to prove this movie is not good. The and movie so, did not have to suck. It did not have to suck, but think, Little Fires I Everywhere does Little not. Little Fires suck. Everywhere is actually elevating the written material in ways that that are much more fascinating for what, in quite frankly, certain ways was some cookie cutter stereotypes. So now you have a truly enigmatic mother and daughter duo with all of the 
angst that comes in with single parenthood and i think it's just i mean the up ending of all these lives is worth watching and i don't know any other way to say it better than that yeah it is it is perfectly 90s and i think the other nice part about it is that you have two actresses leading the helm that were very prevalent in the 90s right like who had careers in the 90s so i think that also brings a, a level of lived into that too i just think it does it well like i think it is this is very in your face microaggressions that are appropriate for the time and they are not subtle about it and they are not subtle about it within this world but that is appropriate to the story that is appropriate to the characters and because of that you are able to really immerse yourself in this world with its flaws so i think in summary i think the flaws come from the story it it does not come from the storytelling and that's why i like this show it is messy without making a mess of its story so far yeah now ironically enough right now this series is sitting at 77 percent from critics and 68 percent from viewers and I can tell you for a fact there, if you read Little Fires Everywhere and you were very, very invested in how that story laid out in the book, there are deviations in the show that show up almost immediately within the first episode and most assuredly <laughs> by the middle of the third and into the fourth. So um, I personally feel like they gave a bit more authenticity. but the way they're going about certain things is going to make people feel like, Oh, well they, 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 they drifted away from the main point and now I don't like it. You know, it's like, I I don't, I don't agree with this person. I don't like this. There are going to be people who don't like Carrie Washington as Maya. They're going to be people who feel like some of the added scenes and quote unquote angles to the original story. um, Sully, the thrill at the middle of the plot and the unweaving of all of the drama that's happening, which Joy and I just very politely call messiness. You know, there are other ways. There are some people who don't feel like they've gone far enough because they, they don't, they didn't clue into some of the things that she was talking about in the book were the more important messages than some of the other more raw elements of the story. So if you read this book and you were deeply, deeply, deeply attached to how it laid out in the book, you are going to want to skip Little Fires Everywhere, the show. But if you've never read it, don't read it. Watch this. And then go read the book to see the difference. Trust me. I think I'm, I think that's what I'm going to do. Once the, once we get through all eight episodes, I think I am going to read the book. And I'm happy to come back on I Talk oh, yeah. and Read and talk about like, okay, now that I've read the book, let's talk about what the differences are and like how do I feel about that but yeah if you had to give this if you had to give episodes one through four a score so far this is a solid eight and a half oh that was my grade too see pack it up we we are aligned I would say this is a very solid 8.5 yep very solid 8.5 I agree with you on that cast sound soundtrack because the moments they pick to pick a song people are going to recognize have me hollering like, oh yeah <laughs> costuming uh but the subtle byplay between everybody and then kind of the bigger visual elements you get that are starting to play out with the art and the and the messaging that's coming through from there and there's nothing in here that isn't important there aren't pieces that you can miss if you get fixated on one or thing or the other 
and I like the little bit of foreshadowing they're doing that really have me over here trying to not spoil. So we don't stop talking because Lord Jesus, the things I know that I want to say, but I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But yes, this is mess. It's joyous, hot mess that joy made me jump down the rabbit hole for. We will be back after episode eight. Yes, we and definitely we, will. Yeah. And, and, and I think we may need to just call this wherein we really hate Pearl. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we need to episode, we need to call this that time when we hate a Pearl. Like we, and I, we're not alone. I know y'all hate her too. If you've mm-hmm. watched episodes one through four, she is a terrible character and it has nothing to do with Lexi Underwood, but that terrible character is awful. I hate her. <laughs> Lexi Underwood is doing things with that character. We only hate her so much because it's being played it. well. Baby Carrie is what I'm calling her from now on. When she went full Olivia Pope, and I, I want another wall. I was like, you better, you better come, you better read from the book of Shonda. Baby Carrie killed it. She is doing it indeed. And on that note, thank you very much for joining us for another book chat. And this time around, again, it's Little Fires Everywhere, who original. And we will be back to talk about the ending in a couple of weeks. Peace. Thank you.